Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It is the August 18th edition of the Windy City Podcast. Mark Carmen here. Thank you for checking out DeWindy with you every Monday at least each week as an episode coming out. Please subscribe, rate, tell a friend. Thank you for listening to DeWindy City Podcast. Elise Meneker from the Marquee Sports Network, Nutrier High School, Cornell University coming up here as we'll talk some baseball, some Cubs baseball, and also what's going on in baseball with the pandemic. A fun conversation with Elise coming up. But I want to start with this from Dallas Keuchel. We got some guys coming out and, and, and taking professional at-bats you know, being professional on the mound and, and doing what it takes to win. We got some guys kind of going through the motions. So we need to clean, we need to clean a lot of things up. And, and, um, you know, if we want to be in this thing at the end of the season, we're going to have to start that now. And when you have enough talent to potentially win every game, it's very frustrating when you have games like this and it just seemed, seemed like we were, we were out of it from, from the get go. So I absolutely loved it. Dallas Keuchel. Cy Young Award winner, not the same pitcher today, but still has that on his resume. World Series champion, and now ace of the Chicago White Sox. I wouldn't call him an ace. The White Sox don't have an ace. And I still believe that Lucas Giolito certainly has the chance to be the best pitcher on the staff this year. I said Dylan Cease at the start of the year. Still having trouble finding that strike zone, so maybe that's down the line. But to this point... Keuchel has been the White Sox's best pitcher and now team leader, willing to say things that are uncomfortable to his teammates. Before he made that comment to the media, he made it to his teammates. Let him know, hey, I'm going to go up there on that podium and just talk about how we're not doing or we're not playing baseball the way we should be playing baseball. I'm not sure who he's calling out. Maybe it's Aloy Jimenez who didn't hustle down the line on one play. Side note, baseball players staying healthy and not overly exerting themselves on the base paths is a good play because baseball's a long season. That's a story for another time. But let me get back to my original reason I wanted to bring this up. A lot of teammates that you can have on a baseball team or in a work environment or in a family environment Their number one goal is being liked. I want everybody to like me. I'm not going to say uncomfortable things. I'm not going to call out my guys. And then you never actually get to the respect. I don't know if Dallas Keuchel is liked in that clubhouse right now. Jose Abreu had some comments there basically saying that, hey, yeah, okay, we won the next two games after Dallas's comments, but that's not because of his comments. That's because, you know, we just came out and played better. Maybe, or I would say those comments actually had an effect. It doesn't directly correlate to winning. Otherwise, you'd say something powerful, and then you'd go out and win the next day. That doesn't exactly make sense. But 
waking guys up and in and 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 calling for more better at bats better attention to detail all of it these are winning maneuvers by a leader who's caring about winning and being respected and respecting himself more than being Mr. Popular in the clubhouse. A lot of guys go through their careers and they're unwilling to have that direct confrontation with different guys in the locker room because it's just not their personality or whatever's in the way. You need a guy like that on the team. I think back to the 05 White Sox. Different, but A.J. Pruszynski didn't care about being liked. And he would do anything to win, including being super creative against the Angels on a dropped third where he should have been out, but he ran down to first. And that, I'm not going to say it won the series, but it certainly changed the series. Go back to the 2016 Cubs. Who did they have on that roster that literally didn't care what anybody thought of him? But there was a certain level of accountability around the guy. David Ross is managing the club right now. He was one of those guys, but I'm talking about John Lackey. You you made an error behind John Lackey, he'd stomp around the mound and want to kill you. There's a, Sometimes you need red asses on a team. Greatest team in the history of the city, the six-time champion Chicago Bulls. We, just, we, watched the, we watched the last dance, right? Did Michael Jordan give a fuck? I mean, honestly, let's just get that out there, about what people thought of him. Maybe he did, but that certainly wasn't the driving force there. And we did see the tears. If you don't want to play that way, don't play that way. But he's trying to serve his teammates. He's trying to serve himself. That's what winners do. Dallas Cuckle's not on the Jordan level, obviously. But important part on that team, on a young team trying to figure out its way, going from a team that hasn't been over 500 since 2012 to a team that can be in the playoffs and compete for World Series. we You need some Dallas Keuchel's around. That was a huge win this week. Segway to the Cubs. Rough weekend, three one-run losses to the Brewers. Perhaps it won't be a big deal, but I do want to name the Cubs have had opportunities to knock the Brewers out every single year, seemingly since 2018. And they have not done it. And these series where basically Milwaukee was dead, you just gave life to the Brewers. And I was driving up north yesterday for my birthday dinner. Happy birthday to me. And there the Brewers were. Police escort, which I guess is standard in baseball. You pay for this. Here's the escort. So you're protected in traffic and the cop cars were moving over from the left lane to the right lane so they could turn up to 94 West and go north to Milwaukee. But I'm just looking at it like, you know, this team has been a straight nemesis. Came back, knocked them out of the wild card in 18, surpassed them again in 19, and now, seemingly dead in the water, they win three three one-run games, and still, you know, the Cubs are still in a decent position here, but not as good of a position before the series started. And now you got the Cardinals coming in five games in three days. A little gut check time over there. I'm listening to David Ross after the game, it sounds like he's going back to Craig Kimbrell as the closer. Yeah, good luck with that. He has looked better. I will say that. He has looked better. But the Brewers, 
awoke themselves this weekend, and the Cubs just made their season a whole lot more difficult. Now to the Chicago Bulls and Jim Boylan. I encourage you to go on YouTube and YouTube Jim Boylan Press Conferences Utah. You might not remember that Jim Boylan was the head coach of the Utah Utes. Great nickname. Love the Utes. It, these are some of the most bizarre press conferences of all time and actions. Like he, he cares so much that it becomes straight awkward. And there's a lack of reality that he chooses to not live in that, for lack of a better word, is just bizarre. He's better. Jim Boylan should be coaching junior high basketball. Or I suppose he could be coaching high school basketball. He's not – he certainly cannot coach big-time Division One basketball. It's too, it's too crazy. He should be coaching, honestly, nine-year-old Little Leaguers. Cry with them after they lose. I'm pro-crying, by the way. Get to your emotions. That's awesome. But there's it's – just, it's just straight weird. And there was one quote that I saw that uh, Darnell Mayberry had put in his column in The Athletic, and Boylan was talking about how the Bulls sh- should average 35 assists a game. At the time, they had like 31 field goals a game. I, I don't have the quote directly in front of me. But it was just an absurd comment. And the most assists that any team has ever averaged was, like I think, the Lakers with 31. But he had watched the tape and he had figured out that, oh, look at all these opportunities. We should have 35 assists. Well, how'd you come up with that number? Well, I watched the tape. Dude, you're living in an alternate reality that literally no one else is living on in the entire planet. So, and I like Jim, by the way, for the record. Used to see him. He lives, he lives like right around the block from me. So I'll see him in the neighborhood. We share the same dry cleaners. I would go to breakfast or I'd go to have coffee with Cap before the pandemic. David Kaplan, I think you've heard of him. Most likely you have. Um, ESPN Radio 1000 at the Cap Man on Twitter. But Boylan would stop and talk because Cap knows all these guys. He knows Tom Izzo. Boylan used to be an assistant in Michigan State. So we would have conversations. And he was always a super nice guy. I enjoyed myself some Jim Boylan as a guy. And I'm rooting for him. But he's better off as an assistant. That's really where he belongs. Um, or if he's going to go head coach, it's just got to be on a much younger level like six-year-olds. I don't know who they're going to hire. Scott Hastings from who works on the Denver Nuggets television broadcast said that he'd be shocked if it wasn't Wes Unsell Jr. Arturis Karnishevas comes over from Denver, so there's a relationship there. That seems to make sense to me. I don't know anything about Wes Unsell Jr. I'll have to do some research on that. Um, but whoever it is, it's going to be an upgrade, bottom line. And I do wish Jim Boylan well. Some people are saying, oh, Jerry's Jerry's going to be cheap and uh, he's, he's wanting to save money. Uh, Jerry Reinsdorf is, is not going to hold up the organization on a $1.6 million Jim Boylan contract, in, even in the middle of a pandemic. That never seemed real. 
So all this angst that was going on in town, when they're keeping him and whatnot, and you know Dan Bernstein, Joe Colley turning up the heat. Maybe that had an effect. I don't know. But I never really thought that that was going to be the case, that this guy was going to stick around. No chance. You can't bring him back when the, literally the entire team doesn't want him to come back. I mean, what message would that send to your players? And by the way, get better players. Can somebody unlock Laurie Markkinen? The one guy that I think could unlock him is Tom Thibodeau, but he's coaching the New York Knicks. So we need somebody creative to unlock Markkinen, or else if he turns into nothing, that's a huge problem, obviously. All right. Blackhawks still alive. Congrats to the Hawks, I guess. Uh, playing a much better team, but never say die. Always have faith in life to win game four. That was impressive. So congrats to the Hawks on that. And uh, from a radio standpoint, it's just been fun to have John Wideman and Troy Murray showing up at the radio station to call games. I never get to see those guys. And there they are in an office with a separation barrier in between the two of them, watching on TV, calling the Blackhawks playoff games. Hashtag 2020. Let's go for a miracle, Blackhawks. Why not? Three more in a row. Knock off Vegas. Would love to see it. Let's get to our conversation now with Elise Mediker of the Marquee Sports Network, the Big Ten Network. And I do touch on some college football here. Uh, One thought on that before we get to Elise, actually. The Big Ten and the Pac-12 are obviously correct, as well as the Ivy League and the MAC and whatnot. And the presidents and the athletic directors of the SEC, ACC, Big 12, you should all face consequences for what ultimately is going to happen here. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope we don't have some terrible thing happen to one of the players and or one of the coaches. And I really want college football to be played. And I'm going to really miss working on the Northwestern broadcast this year with Dave Ennett and Ted Albrecht and Adam Hogue. But come on. I think it's pretty obvious that amateurs should not be playing college football in the middle of a pandemic when you haven't set up proper testing. And my buddy Danny Parkins made a great point uh, when I was listening to him over this this week. How have they not thought this through? And maybe many other people are making this point too. But this has been going on for a long time. If you really wanted to have college football, you should have created a concrete, as best as you possibly could plan so you could have college football. They're trying to do this at the 25th hour, like it's Carmen at the University of Iowa trying to write a paper at 2 in the morning that he's going to be lucky to get a C on or study for a test that I'm going to fail. Y'all had all this money on the line, and you had all these people's college dreams on the line, and the last second you realize where we're at? I mean, what's wrong with you? I'm not saying they could have figured it out, but they might have been able to figure it out. You could have been able to figure it out. Didn't figure it out. Brutal. Straight brutal. Okay, now we can listen to Elise Meneker. The Windy City Podcast. Like, subscribe, tell a friend. Thank you for listening. Here's Elise. In the air, left center field. Carrie Wood plays long ball. From the Marquee Sports Network, the Big Ten Network, and I think most importantly, straight out of New Trier and was at 
what should have been <laughs> what should have been the Cubs coronation to go to the World Series in 2003. Is that right, Elise Meneker? You were at Game Seven with the World Series. Here we come, knock on wood. Was that Game Seven, or was that? Yeah, some- wow, we're coming in hot with this. Yes. Um, yes, you're absolutely right. I thought I was really cool making that poster. Wanted to get on TV. Carrie Wood was pitching. Did you like the planned words? That was pretty clever. Strong. I didn't say so myself. Yep, very strong, very strong. Was Woody your favorite player? Uh, yeah, he's definitely one of my favorite Cubs. Yeah, I mean, I think growing up, uh, that's just true in general. If you're a Cubs fan, I would think he's a fan favorite. Oh, there, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. And then, of course, uh, you played softball at Cornell, two-time uh, conference champion. Is that correct, too? Yes, that is correct. Um, back-to-back Ivy League championships my junior and senior year, which meant that we went to the NCAA tournament, which was always very exciting and a great opportunity. So it was, I always say, the best four years of my life at Cornell. I wouldn't change it for anything. So what's your thoughts then before we get to the Cubs? I, I'm just curious, What's it, from a college athlete, former college athlete, what do you think about some of the conferences trying to play football and some who have punted? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. These are, for lack of a better term, because we keep hearing it, unprecedented times. And I think um, because we're navigating the unknown, uh, people are trying to do the best they can with information and circumstances that keep changing. Uh, I feel for the athletes. I feel for the universities. I feel for everyone because everyone's trying to make tough decisions. You know, as a former athlete, of course, I know that those guys and girls want to be out on the field. Uh, But I know, too, that up top, people have a lot of tough decisions to make. And so I think everyone's just doing the best they can to navigate a situation to try to keep everyone safe and healthy and, and do what's best for everyone involved. And I think everyone's just kind of, you know, they have different information and, and they're going with what they have. Yeah. Um, if you were a senior, imagine imagine young Elise going into her senior oh. year and they said, hey, we don't think we can play because of the virus. What do you think your reaction would have been? I thought about that when sports shut down because since, you know, as a softball player, we're in the spring and you work fall and winter all leading up to that. And, oh, I would be devastated. It would be hard. Um, but the thing is, is everyone was going through it. That would be, you know, the one thing is there's nothing you can do to control it. It's out of your hands. Uh, and the one thing that you always learn as an athlete is you have to control what you can control. You can't worry about other things. Um, so I know that, uh, players, you know, it was probably so hard to not get your chance after putting in all that work, or if you're a freshman, the excitement building up to that. Um, but you know, hopefully next season will go, uh, as normally and smoothly as possible. And that's all, you know, everyone's just trying to move forward the best we can. Everyone's life has changed. Yep. There's no doubt. And I think you extend the scholarships in my mind and let people, if they if they want to, you can stay and go to grad school if you're a senior or whatever, uh, so you get your full college experience. But anyway, I'm not in charge here. Neither are you. I get it. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, what's it been like just as far as for you, you know, first season, Marquee, new network, covering the team, and you, I, I, you've been in the park some, I think I've seen. I've also seen you on Zoom calls, yeah. so it's, it's kind of a, yeah, yeah. a bizarre start, right? 
It is bizarre, but you know what? It's been a lot of fun. This team is a lot of fun to cover. Uh, that's been a huge bonus, the way they've started and just the way they're approaching this season. Marquee Sports Network uh, has gone so, so well. I've absolutely loved it. You know, given the circumstances, uh, it's just been a blast. Uh, and I wouldn't change it for anything, quite frankly, even with everything that's going on. You know, it's kind of like how the Cubs are approaching this season. That's kind of how I approach, you know, life and my job now is you want to enjoy every day. You don't take it for granted. You have no idea when things can change again. And I think for that reason, you know, everything is just you just take it day by day and enjoy every day. I'm going to look at the team here for a second. What do you like most about the Cub right now? And like I would say the camaraderie, the energy in the dugout, I think a new level of leadership. I loved Joe Madden, but I think David Ross has done a great job at transitioning into whatever's next for the franchise. Certainly he's, I think, had an impact this year. Like for you, what stands out? Yeah, I think I'm I'm with you where uh, when I look at championship teams, I always look at the X factor, the intangibles, as I call it, uh, because the teams that win championships, they're not always the most talented, which I think the Cubs do have a lot of talent. I mean, of course, you need that. We know, you know, with a championship team, you're going to need good pitching, good starting rotation, good bullpen, all of that, the timely hitting. Um, but then I always say that X factor, you know, that's kind of what brings the championship. And I think the Cubs have it, like you said, with the energy and the camaraderie and the togetherness. You know, after last night's game, even after a Cubs loss, uh, their first time losing back-to-back games, Anthony Rosso says, hey, our goal here is to win. And that's their only focus. Uh, and it seems to be working, and it's, I think, such a great focus because in a season where it's only 60 games, you know, they're like, well, we can't worry about the numbers because they're not going to be what they would normally be, and that's what Rizzo has said. And I think it's so true, and it's so, like I said, just great what they're focusing on because I think that's what's so important is bringing them all together, making it fun for them. And, hey, at the very least, if you're going to get through this season healthy and a smile on your face, I mean – that's what sports are about. I mean, if you really want to break it down to the very basic levels, sports are meant to be fun. Damn straight. Let's we're we're not here for uh, you know s- splitting an atom. We came because we love. <laughs> we want to have some fun and compete, and you know, distraction, diversion, all that type of stuff. I- I'm curious. Yeah. I'm curious. Like, I-, I I'm enjoying that the Cubs are winning. Don't get me wrong. I think it's great. But there's also a part of me that's like, this sucks that this is happening this year. Like, it would be so sweet if there were fans and you were going to the games and, and the excitement around it. It's still great they're winning, and, and this is the reality. But there's also that little bit of like, oh, I wish this was just a normal year. It would be so much better. Do you, have you had that thought? I think every day I just wish everything was normal. <laughs> so, yes, definitely. Um, specifically with this team and baseball yeah, I mean, you definitely miss the fans. It's really cool. I, I love how J.D. pointed out the other day during the game, like the fans on the rooftops and how much even that just changes because uh, players still trying to get them balls. And you see people, you know, up there, and that that's everything these days, just to get a little sense of normalcy. I'm with you, of course. You want fans in the stands. Uh, you know, you even think about it. I don't like to get too far ahead, especially with everything going on, but you think about the series at the White Sox, you know? How great are those games for fans? The whole city, you yeah. know, gets involved, and that's huge. Um, and it's going to be very different this year. But, again, it's just about adjusting. I mean, even David Ross has said it. This is the year of adjustments, and it's true. Everyone has to adjust, and there's nothing we can do to change it. We want fans in the stands. 
Uh, but I think everything considering has gone pretty well. And, and, you know, being able to watch at home just to be able to see your Cubs play is, you know, what everyone's, you know, like you said, the distraction and the fun everyone needs. All right, I'm already stamping the Cubs in the playoffs, at least Meneker. Um, and so it's game one. It's a one-run game in the ninth. Cubs are trying to close it out. Who do you think's on the mound? Ooh, that's a good question. I I think Jeremy Jeffress has looked really solid. I know he's coming off a performance where he gave up a couple of runs, the first for him of the season, but he's been, in my mind, the most consistent. You know, I covered him a couple of years when I worked in Milwaukee, um, so I'm familiar with him and what he brings to the table, and I know that he feels really comfortable with this team from the start, uh, and that's always huge for him when he feels comfortable. He always pitches really well, and I think for, for now, from what we've seen out of the bullpen, I would give the ball to him. I like the progress Kimbrell made, too. Um, but if you're talking right now, that's what I would say. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think right now it's Jeffers. I, I, I also do wonder, in this very odd year, will they try to add on uh, before the deadline here, August 31st? That's, that's, you know, at least something that could be on the table. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I, and keep in mind, too, they'll get back Quintana at some point. So that's always, you know, in addition yeah. without – you know, really any movement. So I keep thinking about that and how that will play out with the rotation and the bullpen. That's interesting. Jose Quintana, you want to close? Do you have that in you? Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. Well, at least that you've added to the puzzle when you're talking about, you know, yeah. adding pieces with this trade deadline coming up. Yeah. And I, right. Yeah. And I, I was going to say, you're, you're not saying I'm close, but that is interesting. Like, would you trade, would you consider trading Quintana for a closer, I don't know if that would be interesting for someone because he's a free agent that they have to have this year. But anyway, that um, who knows? Who knows what they'll do? What what um, do you? Let me let me change that around. Do you put any of Chris Bryant's sort of up and down season on the fact that he's leading off, or do you think that has no factor? That's interesting. I think that it's a change, and so I think uh, change can always be a factor. I think Chris Bryant is a really solid hitter. Um, I don't think he's necessarily changing anything. You know, from what he has said, he hasn't changed his approach. Um, But your approach as leadoff is just different because of the situation where you're hitting in the order. Uh, I think these guys at the top will come around. Um, They, You know, they want to. You know, they want to be helping this team, and they are contributing, just maybe not as consistently as we're used to seeing. Uh, I think, too, what's interesting, what I've thought about with Chris Bryan, it's not just, you know, hitting leadoff, but this, with this whole season. You don't know how everything is affecting individuals. And so on top of that, he has a new baby at home, um, changes on the field. You have to keep in mind he's playing different positions in the field. Um, and David Ross has said, you know, the way he adjusts to that is incredible. We saw, I know he tweaked his wrist, you know, diving for that ball in the outfield. But keep in mind, this is a guy who's one of the stars, and he is playing everywhere. You know, you don't see that all the time. Uh, usually, like, you're just thinking Chris Bryant will be at third, and he doesn't do that. And I um, really applaud him for that, for being such a good player and, and being able to move around and being so diverse. Um, so I think it could be a factor of things, but, um, you know, I think I do, I, I stand by, you know, what David Ross says, you have a track record. You got to have faith that these guys will come around. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think the Cubs still miss Dexter Fowler amazingly, which kind of got, well, yeah, the leadoff guy's not that important. I I always kind of think it is, but maybe I'm just too old school here. Do you, are you a numbers person, Elise? Do you pay attention to that? I can be. Yeah, sometimes I, like, I, I go down a rabbit hole and then I start looking at the numbers. But, yeah, it's something I'm getting into a little bit. Okay, because I'm not into it at all, but I just pulled up the Cubs stats right now just talking to you. Do you know 
it, it, as far as anybody who's had 50 or more at-bats, who leads the Cubs in OPS? How many at the Ian Happ? You're correct. And I'm just looking at this. Ian Happ is hitting 309. His on-base is 433, slugging 582. By the way, all these numbers are best on the team, except for, I mean, unless you, if I'm taking Jason Kipnis out of there because he only has 28 at-bats. Kipnis' numbers are ridiculous, too. But this is major breakout for Ian Happ. I, I'm wondering if you think it's here to stay. Yeah, I do. I do think it's here to stay. I think he learned a lot last year in AAA and just his whole, you know, they always say trust the process. And I think it's so true uh, because everything builds off of each other. And I think that he is growing as a player and we are starting to see uh, what that means for him and his potential and his ceiling. And I think, you know, people are probably even raising the ceiling for him as they watch this season. He has been so much fun to watch. Uh, It's like when he goes to the plate, you just expect him to get a hit. A smooth swing, makes solid contact. Uh, yeah, he's been really good this year, and, and I think uh, this is kind of just the beginning for him, and I think the consistency we'll see out of him. See, with with Ian Happ going in the plate in the past, I expected him to strike out. That's what I expected, or hit a bomb, one of the two. But he's only struck out 16 times this year, which is not terrible. Um, wow. It's, and the talent's always been there, but this is, this is a big deal. I, and I think with him – See, let me see if you think this is fair. The David Ross from Joe Madden switch has been a huge part of it, too. I think David Ross has been a huge positive in general for this team. I mean, they keep saying when we talked about early on the energy, uh, I keep going back to when John Lester has now said it a couple of times, how it is a reflection of David Ross and um, just what he brings, the way he's locked into every pitch. Uh, those guys want to mimic him, and, and he's bringing uh, his best every day, and that means they want to bring their best every day. I mean, how fun are those celebrations after a guy hits a home run? I mean, you just want to see what the dugout is doing. Rizzo's walk-up song. Uh, and I think that's David Ross letting them be free uh, and be themselves. And, um, you know, I'm going to have fun during this season. Uh, but also, you know, it's also in David Ross, you know when to get down to business. And so he has that balance, and you see that from these players. They know when to have fun, and they know when to focus. So the Cubs are good. Like, they're legit good. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I think it's just kind of sinking in. I mean, you uh, – I. this is a lot of people you could highlight, and I uh, appreciate your time here at least. But, like, I mean, you, Darvish, I thought I, – I mean, I, I, was, I was adamant that that was the wrong signing, that they should have kept Arietta. This is a mistake. This guy's never going to figure out, and he's going to get hurt. The, he's been since last July, arguably the best pitcher in baseball, which is crazy. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, maybe it's going to continue here. Certainly, he's always had the stuff, and now he's found the strike zone. I mean, you is on a whole nother level. Yeah, I. I mean, how good was that last outing? I mean, and then he just keeps building on the last one. Um, when it does come to numbers, something I actually tweeted was his fastball is. Uh, the fastest average velocity in his career, uh, but he's throwing at the least, which shows you just how much even his off-speed is working. Uh, And that's a dangerous combination. When you talk about all the pitches he has uh, and the way he can keep hitters off balance, uh, it's exciting to watch him this year. And, yeah, he continues to impress. And that's exactly what the Cubs need, the starting rotation to be setting the tone in these games and then, you know, keeping in, in the games which they've been doing and, and then just having the hitting come through when they need it. Let's wrap up with this. Tell me when you realized you wanted to be the Elise Medicare that you are today covering oh, sports wow. like a champion and like who 
sort of <laughs> can, can you can you can you like rewind back to someone? It's like you could do that. You just gotta you know put yourself out there and go for it. Did, did, did that person exist for you? Um, a moment existed for me. I can tell you the exact moment. I was an intern at ABC here in Chicago with Mark Jean Greco. Mike Johnson was the producer. I still talk to all these guys today. Uh, Mark Jean Greco is a great mentor for me. And uh, as part of that internship, I would go out uh, to, usually it was actually White Sox I would go to, to get pregame sound. And just so happens on one particular day, I got sent to a game where Mark Burley threw a perfect game. Uh, and being the only one there for ABC at the time, because as it's unfolding, you know, people try to rush the stadium to get people there to report on it. I was there for the game. I interviewed Dwayne Wise, uh, you know, got the sound from Burley in that scrum. And uh, it was, I called my parents after and I was like, yeah, this, this is what I want to do forever. And they're like, you know, every day is not going to be a perfect game. And I'm like, no, it's fine. I love it. This is like the best day of my life. It was so fun. So that that's when I knew. So that's funny because there's a lot of like, weird just crossovers which i guess is not weird because we work in the same industry but i went when i got out of college at the university of iowa at least i'll just tell you a quick story i had no plan in life uh but i was, was like all right maybe i want to be in, want to be in radio um i want to i definitely want to get in the locker room with michael jordan so i took a class at columbia college that was taught by a guy by the name of red motlow who's passed away red you're the greatest but um you know, because he had a play-by-play class, which you, but you got to go to the United Center and be in the locker room for a game. Mike Johnson was in that class, so so I know him from, this is 1997, somewhere in there. And the other part of it is that I was working at WGN Radio during the Burley Perfect Game, and I was out there just happenstance, and they're like, do you, are you there? And I was, yeah. and, and I got to call in and do all sorts of stuff, which at that point in my career was a was a nice little boost. So, anyway, we were both at that game. I don't remember you that day. Crazy. Least, but now I want to see tape from you interviewing, and maybe we were like... There actually oh. is. There are, yeah, the ESPN took the live feed, and you can see me there. And, yeah, it was it was cool, the whole experience. So, that's funny. Yeah. Like, small world, yep. how you can be at such a rare event, you know? For for sure, for sure. And um, uh, we that's where the comp- comparisons start, because stop, because... You were a world-class athlete, and um, I was looking up my intramural stats from last night, which I actually did. Hey, intramural is a big deal, even for you know people <laughs> like me these days. <laughs> intramural is a huge deal. Hey, continued success, Lisa. Thanks for taking some time. It was great to be with you. Thanks so much, Mark. I appreciate you having me on. Elise Meneker, hope you enjoyed the podcast this week. I certainly enjoyed being with you. Have a great week. Let's see what happens with the Cubs and the Cards. And a huge week for the White Sox, by the way. Let's get that home record rolling. Three and eight right now. Let's get on a roll here against Detroit. And then we got Cubs and Sox coming up next weekend. Like, subscribe, tell a friend to Windy City Podcast. See you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.